Notre Dame just pulled off one of the biggest upsets they've had on the recruiting trail in a long time. In today's episode, I'll explain how the Irish landed four-star linebacker Kingston Villamu Asa over Ohio State and USC, what this commitment means for the class of 2024, and why it's such a major win for the program. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to Locked On Irish. It is Monday, July 24th, so thank you for getting your week started here by making this your first listen of the day. As always, you can watch a full episode on YouTube or listen wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tyler Wojcik and I'm the host. I graduated from Notre Dame in 2018 and I'm a producer covering college football at the Fox Sports headquarters in Los Angeles. I've also been podcasting about the Irish since 2020 and for the first time in what feels like forever, we get to celebrate a win for Notre Dame on the recruiting trail today and my God, was it a big win. Uh, Marcus Freeman and the Notre Dame coaching staff landed their top defensive target left on the board on Sunday in somewhat of a stunner as Kingston Villiamu Asa or KVA as I'll refer to him as on this podcast for the majority of the time. The four-star linebacker out of St. John Bosco picked the Irish over Ohio State and USC. And let's start with how it happened. I'll be honest, uh, I didn't see it coming and I'm not sure the Notre Dame staff saw it coming either. On Sunday morning, I feel pretty confident in saying they definitely did not know where KVA was going to go. Based on all the reporting that was out there, Ohio State seemed to be in the lead. KVA said himself he had a leader going into his week-long retreat he made with his church group in the lead-up prior to making his final decision. And everyone seemed to assume that was that was going to be Ohio State. Uh, he was seen often wearing Ohio State merchandise, wearing Ohio State gloves at a, at a specific camp. Ohio State has been on him for a really long time, and it made sense. Ohio State was one of the first schools to recruit him, and he was the first offer they sent out in the class of 2024. And he's been a top priority for the Buckeyes for years. So on Sunday morning... I reached out to a couple of people who had some insight into this recruitment to see if I could get an idea of where he was going to go so I could start prepping for this podcast. And I heard the same thing we've all been hearing for a long time. Everyone thinks it's Ohio State, and it's probably what it will end up being, but don't count out Notre Dame. So, you know, the rest of my morning and afternoon, I was basically doing my normal Sunday errands, and I started to think about how I was going to do this open under the premise that he was probably going to pick the Buckeyes. And as I thought about it, I realized... It would have made a lot of sense for him to pick Ohio State. They're, they've been putting together one of the top defensive classes in the country. Last year, they were a missed field goal away from playing in and likely winning the national championship despite an embarrassing loss to their arch-rival Michigan at home. Speaking of that loss to Michigan, they clearly have a lot to prove defensively, and I'm sure that was a big selling point to KVA. Uh, they've won a national championship more recently than Notre Dame. Jim Knowles is their defensive coordinator, and he's one of the best in the country. So I'm going through it all, and I'm like, all right, you know, it, it's not his home school, but I guess it kind of makes sense. But if he did pick USC, that would have made sense too because, like I just said, they're his hometown school. A lot of his family members are USC fans. Several of his close friends and teammates at St. John Bosco are going to USC. And there's also been rumors out there that USC offered him a very significant NIL package, potentially a seven-figure type of deal. Now, I don't know that for certain, but I'm not reporting it. So I'm just saying that's, that's out there, okay? And there's been some buzz about that. So USC would have been a very safe pick for Kingston Villamu Asa. So as I'm thinking through all of this, I was basically rationalizing his decision in my head, even though I didn't know for sure where he was going to go. I had a full open planned out. I even had some jokes written down and analogies to try to lighten the mood a little bit. 
But at 2 p.m., 2 p.m. Pacific time, I should say, I was like, you know what? I'm going to torture myself. I'm going to watch the stream of his announcement. Maybe I'm a masochist. I don't really know. Because in my head, at that point, I had basically given up any hope that he was going to come to Notre Dame. And I was just going to wait until uh, I saw it on Twitter to start recording, basically. So I tuned into the stream. And the first thing I noticed was the, the lay around his neck. And that Notre Dame's hat was right next to USC on the table. And it reminded me of Manti Teo's commitment. And I thought, you know, could this be another Teo situation? Like, that was a that was a true stunner. Notre Dame was in a much worse place on the field back then. But no one really gave them a shot going into it. At the time, everyone thought Teo was going to pick USC. There's a lot of parallels there. The position that they play, uh, their upbringing, the shock factor, it's all there. And I had heard from a couple people that KVA had actually reached out to Teo to ask Teo about Notre Dame uh, and the life after going to Notre Dame while making his decision. So then I started to think, you know, maybe we're in for a surprise after all. And after a few painful minutes uh, of waiting for him to actually say where he's going to school, he finally says he's going to the University of Notre Dame. Immediately, I'm like, holy shit, what? I stared at my screen for like 10 seconds in a state of confusion. Like, did that actually just happen? And once it finally sunk in that he picked Notre Dame, I thought about all of the reasons I just mentioned for why I thought he would pick the other schools instead of Notre Dame. And that's when I realized the true magnitude of what this commitment means for Notre Dame. I'm going to be honest, this was not a recruitment Notre Dame should have won, but they did, despite all of the reasons I already mentioned. And Marcus Freeman, the entire Notre Dame defensive coaching staff, plus Chad Bowden, Dre Brown, and everyone in the recruiting department deserve a ton of credit for pulling this one off. But this recruitment was ultimately won because of one person, and that's head coach Marcus Freeman. In the end, Freeman was the difference maker, and his persistent and consistent messaging to KVA and his family is what won out in the end. There's been a lot of talk about whether Marcus Freeman would still win these big recruiting battles against the top dog now that he's the head coach and he has a ton of other stuff on his plate. With this commitment, Freeman proved he still got it, and he can still be the difference maker Notre Dame needs when it comes to recruiting these truly elite top-level guys. But it wasn't just Freeman. Al Washington played a huge part in this recruitment as well. Remember when I said KVA was Ohio State's first offer in their class of 2024? Guess who was in charge of that? It was Al Washington, who was the linebackers coach for Ohio State at the time. Once Washington came over to Notre Dame, he continued to recruit KVA, even though he wasn't coaching linebackers at Notre Dame anymore. Plus, Chad Bowden was heavily involved. Trey Brown got involved, too. Uh, Notre Dame brought in Al Golden at the right time. Max Bulow, the new GA, uh, the replacement for James Laurinaitis, who's actually at Ohio State now. They brought him in all at different times, so it wasn't just Freeman and Washington giving them, uh, giving them the same message over and over again. Notre Dame had a different strategy for this one because he was such a high priority and the staff wanted to make sure that they crossed every T and dotted every I in this recruitment. If they were going to lose, it was not going to be due to lack of effort. They were going to give everything they possibly had to get KVA. And there were multiple times where they probably could have backed off um, because, you know, it wasn't a lock at any point. Notre Dame, I'm not even sure if they ever led until today. And there were a lot of other linebackers who picked other schools that Notre Dame was looking at. And they could have backed off and tried to take the safer route, but they didn't. They stayed with KVA because they realized he was that good of a player and that important to this class. So even then, this was an extremely uphill battle for Notre Dame to win out. And even though there are different points where it felt like they were in good position, I never really felt like he was a lock to go to Notre Dame. So KVA took three official visits during the month of June. First, he went to USC, and coming out of that, felt like USC was the leader, but that seemed to fade, fade out a little bit. Uh, then Notre Dame, uh, his visit there happened a couple weekends later, and then he finished it off with Ohio State. Once he completed his official visits, uh, he announced his commitment date on July 23rd, but it was clear that he had not made his decision at that point. 
But considering that he announced his commitment date coming off of the Ohio State visit, it gave people even more reason to believe that's probably where he was going to head uh, because that's usually how it works. Like when a recruit announces his commitment date right after an official visit, usually it means that they're probably going to commit to that school. But as the weeks went on, I kept hearing about how KVA was calling more alums like Manti Teo and Kyle Hamill to get to get on Zooms and so we could ask them about Notre Dame and all these different questions that he had. And I was like, okay. That's got to mean something, right? Like, obviously, he's got to do his due diligence. He's making a life-changing decision. Uh, But still, to be that proactive and to do all of this on his own told me a lot about who he is because it wasn't like the Notre Dame staff was setting up these calls either. He was doing it on his own because he needed to gather all of the information necessary to make his own decision. And I think that tells you everything you need to know about the type of person that Kingston is. By every possible metric, he's a Notre Dame guy. Academics are a top priority for him and his family. He's got a 4.28 GPA. I also heard that his mom was accepted to Stanford when she was in high school, but she couldn't afford it at the time, and that she still thinks about it today. The appeal of Notre Dame academically meant a lot to her, and she was a big factor in this decision as well. Notre Dame recruited not only KVA, but the family. He brought the family with him to his official visit to Notre Dame, and the Irish made a great impression. And it's important because obviously the family is going to matter in every recruitment, but their family is really close, they're tight-knit, and they all needed to be on the same page. And it seemed like Notre Dame won the parents, and they also ended up winning KVA. There's also the faith aspect to his recruitment. Uh, Him and his family are deeply religious. I already mentioned that he went on a week-long retreat with members of his church before making this decision, and the religious culture at Notre Dame certainly was appealing to him as well. And I'm not going to lie, there was a point uh, where it went through my head, like if Notre Dame can't land this guy, like this type of prospect who's an elite player who also cares so much about everything else that makes Notre Dame unique, when is it ever going to happen? If not now, when? But you know what? We don't have to worry about that because in the end, Notre Dame did land him. Notre Dame went into USC's backyard, and they got one of the best defensive prospects, not just in Los Angeles, but the entire state of California, to come to South Bend, Indiana instead. Notre Dame went toe-to-toe with Ohio State, a program at the top of college football, and beat them out for one of their highest priority targets. I don't want to be hyperbolic here, but I think this, this is probably Notre Dame's biggest defensive pickup since Kyle Hamilton way back in 2019, and that guy turned out all right. All right, coming up next, I'll explain why KVA is such a coveted prospect and what this commitment means for the class of 2024. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. Thanks again for making Locked On Irish your first listen of the day. Remember to like the video below and subscribe to the channel if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening to the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe there as well. All right, so we talked about how it happened. Let's talk about why Kingston Viliamu Asa is such a coveted prospect. He's listed as 6'3", 230 pounds, and he's the 69th nice ranked player in the country on the 24-7 sports composite. It's not often you see that combination of size and speed at the linebacker position coming out of high school. Physically, I think he's developed enough to play college football tomorrow, basically. And he can do everything you want out of a linebacker in modern college football. He can stop the run. He does pretty well in coverage as well. And he can blitz. 
In his junior season at St. John Bosco, he had eight and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, a forced fumble, an interception, and two fumble recoveries to go along with 115 tackles. He missed all of his sophomore season because of an injury, but he played as a true freshman for St. John Bosco, which that alone is incredibly impressive. Um, a couple other scouts' inputs you might want to hear. Tim Priester of Irish Illustrated called him a bigger, faster, rangier, and more versatile version of Manti Teo. That seems pretty good, if you ask me. Um, Greg Biggins, a 24-7 sports analyst in Los Angeles native who's called several of his games at St. John Bosco, had this to say about him. Quote, He's one of the most versatile linebackers in the country. He's an inside linebacker, but a rare every-down player who can move around and play multiple spots in the defense. He's a huge hitter and has a game built for pads, but we saw him during 7-on-7 play lockup receivers in tight ends and coverage. He's a smart kid as well, very instinctive, and plays with a nonstop motor. He's a tough kid and has a nice edge in his game. End quote. Personally, the thing I like most about him is his physicality. When this dude makes a tackle, I mean, God bless whoever is carrying the ball because he's going to feel that the next day. He can light people up, and even when he's not making a tackle, he's making solid contact with anyone gets in his way. Um, if you've ever played football, you know that guy in the field who you're like, God, every time I'm in his vicinity, he just hits me, and I feel it. Personally, I wasn't that type of player because I'm 5'9", and when I was in high school, I was like 150 pounds. Most of the time, I was avoiding contact at all costs, unless I absolutely had to. So this guy's a menace on the field, and he's just the everything you don't want to face when you're on offense. And as I was saying, it's rare to find a player of his caliber who is as physical as he is, but also as athletic as he is. Um, is he going to run a 4 for 40? No, he's not. But he's got such great instincts, and he can change direction so quickly. He's able to cover slot receivers and tight ends in the open field. When you watch his tape, there's like a few clips of him covering wide receivers 30 yards down the down the field. You just don't see that that often at the high school level, in part because not many high school programs ask their linebackers to cover wide receivers 30 yards down the field. But he's also playing for quite possibly the best high school football program in the country right now at St. John Bosco. They finished number one in the Max Preps rankings nationally last season, and they operate just like a college program, and they play some of the best competition in their country. They're our tribal Modern day is insane. I think their entire starting lineup is going D1. Um, Notre Dame is actually going after all of modern day starting defensive backs. Uh, most of them are in the class of 2025. And I think they have like three guys in the top uh, 50 in this class as well. And, and that's just one school that they play in the Trinity League. Um, I'm 100% going to go to the modern day St. John Bosco game this season. I cannot wait for that. Uh, I wanted to go last season. But then the modern-day coach, like, instead of playing the game at SoFi Stadium, which is where the Rams and Chargers play, it's, like, one of the best, you know, stadiums in the entire world. Uh, their coach wanted to play at home. They were gatekeeping. Whatever. I don't think that's going to be the case this year, so I think I'm going to be able to go. Anyway, John Bosco's coach said that Viliamu Asa is perhaps the best defensive player to ever play for the program. Dude, that's insane. That's incredibly high praise coming from a guy who coached a first-round draft pick and former Washington quarterback Trent McDuffie, as well as five-star defensive lineman Mateo Uyunglele, who's going to be a true freshman uh, at Oregon. And once KVA gets on campus, I think he's going to be able to play right away because he's got all the traits and that transition from high school to big-time college football. It's just not going to be as difficult for him as some other high school prospects because of the quality of competition he's used to playing. And there's another element in all of this. Notre Dame just hasn't had a ton of success getting guys from the very top of the top programs uh, in the country historically, but they've actually had more success lately. Just look at last year's class. They got Jaden Greathouse from Austin Westlake. That's a team who won 52 straight at the 6A level in Texas, and they got Cooper Flanagan out of De La Salle in California. 
When you start to get the best players at the best schools, usually it's going to work out uh, well for you down the road. And look, KVA is not used to losing. Uh, he played a ton as a true freshman, which, again, it's just so impressive for any freshman to play varsity in high school, especially one of the top programs. So he's not going to pick a school where he thinks success is hard to come by. Like, he wants to play for a winner, and he believes he can win at Notre Dame. So just such a special talent and so excited for him to come to Notre Dame. Now, looking at this class as a whole, I think Notre Dame is done uh, at linebacker recruiting for the class of 2024. They've got their three guys in Kingston, Teddy Rizak and Bodie Cajon. Um, and there's a lot less pressure now on Rizak and Cajon because I think it's pretty clear that those guys were like low, for, low floor, high ceiling guys, diamonds in the rough that are really fast, they're really athletic, they're long, uh, but they still physically need to develop more, and it's probably going to take some time for them to acclimate to the college game. Well, now you bring in a guy like Kingston who's probably ready to go right away, and then he takes some of the pressure off them. Plus, you take this class in conjunction with Notre Dame's linebacker class last year, which was really strong, when they got Drake Bowen, Jay Nosberry, Preston Zinter, and then the class before that, where they got Junior Tui Alamaka, Josh Burnham, Jalen Sneed, and Nolan Ziegler. Now, granted, Junior Tui Alamaka and Burnham had to move to the Viper position because of recruiting misses at that position in previous cycles, but still, that's a lot of really good linebacker talent coming through Notre Dame, and then you add KVA into the mix, it's even better. So the competition in that room is going to be fierce over the next few years. And then you've got guys like Rizek and Cajon, so if they work out and they become these high-ceiling guys that Notre Dame staff thinks that they could be that's just an added bonus basically so now I don't think the Irish are going to go after Bradley Shaw um, I think they've got the numbers that they want they're very high in their linebacker class now with this this year's class plus the previous two um, and really defensively they're almost done uh, once Davis Andrews the three the three-star safety who looks like he's trending towards Notre Dame um, he should announce publicly here pretty soon I think he's going to visit Notre Dame this upcoming weekend uh, once he makes his commitment they might be done defensively for the class of 2024. And if Notre Dame is able to land their top target left on the board in offensive tackle Gerby Lambert, that's probably it for the class of 2024. And it would be a damn good one. I know that defensive recruiting has been criticized a lot lately. Personally, I've been critical of this class as well, and I believe it's for good reason. Adding a player like KVA into this class changes the entire perception of the class. They've missed out on some top targets for sure, like Justin Scott and Elijah Rushing, but they were able to land some big-time talent now in KVA. Logan Thomas and Cole Mullins on the defensive line are really good. Uh, even if Mullins' recruiting ranking doesn't say that right now, I think he's going to move up a lot as his senior season plays out. And then they got Tay Johnson at safety, a guy who a lot of big-time schools were after. That's a stud prospect, or even you could say two on defensive line at every level of the defense. And sure, they're taking some low-floor, high-ceiling guys, like I mentioned, Rizak, I mentioned Cajon, but also Tabron Benning-Powell and Sean Sevillano Jr. as well. This coaching staff has shown that they're really good at evaluating diamonds in the rough. Guys like Joe Walt, guys like Benjamin Morrison, they're like prime examples of this. But as we know, you can't just rely on that. You can't just rely on diamonds in the rough to take you to the college football playoff and the national championship, which is where Notre Dame wants to go. You need guys that everyone in the entire country wants because they're elite and they compete at the highest levels of high school football and you got to win those battles. And now Notre Dame has one of those guys leading the defense. They've got two in the offense already and now they have their true blue chip guy to lead the middle of that defense. Uh, and I'm really excited about this class now because I think it's going to end really strong here. All right, coming up in segment three, why this commitment is so important for Notre Dame beyond just the 2024 recruiting class and how it could be the first domino in landing more elite recruits down the road. Okay, so we've covered how Notre Dame was able to beat Ohio State and USC for KVA and why it's so important for the class of 2024. Let's talk about some big picture implications of this recruitment. 
And look, I know that there's going to be some people out there listening who are like, it's just one commit. He's not even a five-star. It can't be that big of a deal. Fine. All right, if that's how you look at it. But I disagree with that for several reasons. The first has to do with the competition here. Ohio State and USC. Two schools who beat Notre Dame last season on the field. And even though on-field results don't mean everything in recruiting, uh, they do matter, especially to recruits from top programs who want to win at the next level. I said earlier, KVA is not picking a school where he thinks he's going to lose. He picked Notre Dame because he thinks he's going to be able to win there. And even though Notre Dame has won a lot over the past five years, they did go 8-4 and four last, season, last season during the regular season under Marcus Freeman. That's something that he's had to deal with all offseason, not only with the media, but in talking to recruits. And uh, he's got to prove to these guys that Notre Dame can win on the biggest stage, uh, even though he hasn't done it yet as a head coach. He's going to have a lot of great opportunities to do it this season, but he's able to get this commitment even though he doesn't have a lot of proof besides that one win over Clemson last season. So clearly, Viliamu Asa believes in Marcus Freeman and he believes in the program. That matters. And in this next, in this next cycle, Notre Dame is probably going to be recruiting against Ohio State and USC again. They're probably going to be doing it with several prospects. And now these recruits can go to KVA and hear exactly why he picked Notre Dame over those schools. And I think that goes a really, really long way with these guys. Coaches have to recruit because it's their jobs. Players on the team are a lot more understanding with these prospects, and they know that they have to make the best decision for themselves. And sure, like Notre Dame players want these recruits to commit to their school, but they've been in their shoes. They know how different uh, the recruiting process is and how difficult of a decision it is. So I think they mu- they're more understanding to the prospects, but they're also able to relate to them and be like, hey, this is why I chose Notre Dame. This is how it's going for me. This is why I think you should do the same and how it could work out for you. So Notre Dame is going to be able to use him as a resource for other top prospects in the future, and he can become a model of the choosing hard mantra that Marcus Freeman has adopted for this team. Um, Frankly, I don't always love it because I don't think a lot of people are always like jumping to make the difficult decision in their life, especially when there's very easy decisions that could be very profitable for him down the road. This clearly worked out um, in Notre Dame's favor here, and now they can use KVA as a resource and be like, see, he chose hard, and look how well it's working for him. It also shows other programs around the country that Notre Dame is able to land prospects from pretty much anywhere. It really cannot be understated that Notre Dame went into USC's backyard and got a player like this. I remember when Lincoln Riley was hired, all the USC people in my life said that Lincoln Riley was going to build a wall around Los Angeles and the state of California all over again, much like Pete Carroll did back in the day, and he was going to get all the best players in California. Looks like that wall's got some gaps, okay, because it's not just Notre Dame. It's also Oregon, too. They're coming down here to California and getting some of the top guys, but it matters. And, and now these schools have to look out when Notre Dame's coming and they're going after the recruits. They're like, okay, this is serious. When Notre Dame is a serious target or a serious contender for these guys, and you need that kind of juice because these recruits talk to each other a lot. And when Notre Dame is getting big-time players, I think that resonates with other top recruits. They're like, okay, I see what they're doing over there. I see that they just got one of the best players in the entire country from one of the best programs in the entire country to go to Notre Dame. What's going on there? Now, all of a sudden, Notre Dame has a little bit different juice with some of these other prospects, and they might be looking at Notre Dame in a different light. And even though we as fans see all the great things about Notre Dame and we understand the history and the tradition and and the potential in the future, a lot of these recruits don't know because they're not from the Midwest. They're from the South. They're from the West Coast. They're from the East Coast in some examples. And they, they know Notre Dame. They know it's a big brand, but they don't really know 
what Notre Dame is capable of. And now when you get a guy like KVA into the mix, it just changes things. And obviously having CJ Carr and Cam Williams helps as well. Um, they're on offense, so it's a little bit different. So I think it's helpful in that sense. Notre Dame is able to look at different receivers and running backs because they've already got those two guys on board. But defensively, Notre Dame has really struggled in getting these top-of-the-line guys in recent years, and adding KVA changes all of that. And this last point might seem trivial, and maybe it won't amount, amount to anything on the field, but I think this win, and that's what it is, it's a win, uh, on the recruiting trail is exactly what this fan base need. The vibes have not been great this offseason, to say the least. Like I've said multiple times before on this podcast, thank God Notre Dame got Sam Hartman because otherwise this has just been a brutal offseason. I, I don't have to go through everything, but I can go over the, some of the key things. Tommy Reese, their offensive coordinator and former quarterback for the university, left for Alabama, and then hiring his replacement was a complete public debacle. Tyler Buckner went to Alabama, and Logan Diggs went to LSU. They lost out on Justin Scott and Elijah Rushing. Like, there just hasn't been a ton of good news. I think outside of this commitment and landing Sam Hartman, maybe the best bit of news Notre Dame has gotten all offseason is that Antonio Carter, a grad transfer uh, out of Rhode Island, picked Notre Dame. Like, that... That's what we're working with here. Like, it was not great. And uh, this changed that right at the perfect time, too, because Notre Dame opens camp in just two days, and this team might be Notre Dame's best shot at a winner since 2020. There are plenty of reasons to be excited about this team. And now with KVA, there's also a little bit more reason to be excited about the future. And I'd be lying if I wasn't saying I was really, really excited to get this season going and see where this team takes us. Because if the future looks a little bit brighter today, just imagine how much brighter it's going to look if the Irish make it back to the college football playoff in 2023. All right, that's going to do it for me today. Thanks again for making this your first listen of the day. Remember to subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you're listening to the podcast and follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Irish, on Instagram at Lockdown Irish Pod, and my personal Twitter account at Tyler, W-O-J-C-I-A-K. Same time, same place tomorrow, guys. I'll see you then.